Welcome to our sermon. We're so glad that you're here. We love being together anytime, even when we have these heavy hearts. We come to hear God's word, to be filled with reading of scripture, of digesting the scripture, to see what it is that God is calling us into. How can we better know him so that this knowledge transforms us and puts us on a right path? Like we, knowledge has been mentioned already so many times in last week and this week in Second Peter. But it's always this knowledge that causes change to go forward. And so I want to start off with a couple, two stories, two infamous stories in the Reese household, stories that are still debated today. The first one is, happened when I was seven and my brother was five. We were at my uncle's restaurant and like little boys do, me and my brother, we rushed to eat and then we went to run around and play and I'm sure we were just gross and sweaty like we often were. Um, and <laughs> we were in this part of the restaurant, it was just me and him, there was no one there watching us. Uh, we weren't far from my parents, don't worry, they were great parents. But no one was there and I went to go, I remember I went to go scare my brother, I remember this so vividly and that's kind of the point here. I remember this so clearly. I went to go scare my brother, pretend like I was gonna get him or hit him. I, and then all of a sudden my brother turns around and starts, he books it, but he for, he didn't see that he was right near the wall. And so my brother turns around and runs straight into the corner of the wall. And when he turns around at me, I see his crooked glasses and I see blood coming down his face. We were mortified. We ran to my parents, mom. and. <laughs> It was not a pretty sight. My dad, as he usually did when we were hurt, tried to convince my mom that everything was okay, that if he would just put a band-aid on it, he would be fine, but no, they, we took him to the hospital. And I remember hearing my brother explain what happened, and he said that, that I went to go hit him, and I pushed him into the wall, and I was like, no, no, what, no, 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 I never touched you. I never laid a hand on you. I pretended like I was going to, but I never pushed you. And to this day, me and my brother, are still 100% convinced. I'm convinced that he that I did not touch him and my brother was convinced that I pushed him. This 20 years later, more than 20 years later, and we are still not giving an inch because we each know that we are right on this. I also remember another story. The first time we went to Brazil after we got our green card here in the US, the very first Honestly, the very first hour we were allowed to leave the country, we did. And we went to Brazil. I was about 11 and my brother was 9. And we go into my grandfather's house, my grandparents' house, just on a day. And there was an accident because my, my grandfather had spilled this Brazilian alcohol, cachaça, on the floor. And it smells really strong. It smells really strong. And my brother smells it and all of a sudden he threw up as we were going to go into the yard because it smelled that strongly. And to this day, my brother has this weird story that it smelled so strongly because my grandfather was boiling it, which is something that you never do. You never do it with cachaça. You don't ever boil it. But he's convinced, he's convinced, and he's convinced that my grandfather was boiling this alcohol, even though <laughs> the four of us to this day say, you're crazy, that never happened. And, and the point here, the point of these stories, what we're talking about today is that we're talking about how we were witnesses to the morning star. That's the title for today, witnessing the morning star. P 
Peter here in 2 Peter chapter, he closes chapter 1, he starts talking about this. He starts talking about how we don't have to try and imagine what God would do in this life because we have this example. We all got to witness the morning star. Now you and me and everyone who didn't live with Jesus, we hear about it and read the Bible. But Peter says, I was there. I saw it for myself. All of these things, he actually did it. And so let's pray as we're starting this. Let's pray in this message that I think still has a lot to say about today, what's going on in our world today. That we were witnesses, we are witnesses, and we can be witnesses to this morning star, even today, in our broken world. And so today, Janine Polak is bringing our scripture reading to us today, but before we dive into that, let me pray. Let me pray so that we are all in, in one heart, as we hear God's word and as we digest it together. So please pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for this day. Holy Spirit, I ask for you to be with me even now as, as we're going through this, as I'm giving this word, Lord, that you've put on my heart. I pray that you be with us as we're listening to this in all of our apartments and all of our, in our homes, wherever we are, Lord, that you would be with us, that you would be heavy over the hearing of your word and, and out of this request to bring it, to do something good in our lives, to change us, to make us look more like you. Jesus, I, I pray that you're, which every single one of you, that we get to see what you did, that we have this example of a godly life. Let it sink in deep. Let it change our hearts. Let it change the way that we live our own lives. Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do. We love you, we trust you, and we give all, all things to you this morning. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Janine. Thanks so much for bringing us our word for today. Today, we're continuing our Deepening Our Souls series where we're just going to God with the sole purpose of, Lord, make us mature believers in you. Bring us deep. Take our souls and produce something that only you can, something that, as Peter says multiple times, is worth more than gold, that we feel this change and this weightiness so that we can do more than we ever have and be more convicted, more firm in our, in our faith, more steadfast in our example, more virtuous as we looked at the virtues, last, a couple of virtues last week. Jesus changes so much so that we are just such a healthy group, such an emotionally healthy group of people that we can go out into our worlds, live our lives, be these living stones pointing people back to you in all seasons of our life. 
and we're we're trying to continue that. We're we're trying to continue that with what's happening in our world right now, with what's happening in Wisconsin. How we interrupted our our lives a couple of months ago, and and we're still in this place and of uh, this hatred, of this violence, of this loss of life that you love so much. And how do we do all of this? Now I love how Peter opens it in First Peter here. In verse 14, he even says, he talks about putting off of his body, and the language there is like a tent. The Greek there is talking about this tent that he knows he's going to take off soon. It's this reminder that this life is temporary. This is not everything. That the real life, this is all just a build-up to the life after this, when we will be in heaven, that those who confess Jesus will be in heaven. And it's just, what a, what a great reminder for us that this is temporary, and so let's give it, Let's fight for Jesus' things with all of our lives and all of our hearts and choose the things that are more important. He talks about how he knows he's going to die very soon, that Christ made it clear to me. And to us, it's a reminder that everything in our lives, that when we follow Christ, we, we pray, Jesus, make this somehow go according to your plan make everything that even my death i hope that i pray lord make that a part of your plan because then even in death i'm taken care of i'm provided for and i'm still within your reach i love how peter's calling these these believers here to hold on to deeper things to deeper truths in our faith and moves us past just the surface and like we talked about last week, Peter talked about how he wants to leave something behind for the church to recall all the things that Jesus did, all the things that are truly important, all the things that are what we should be living for all along. He wanted to remind people to believe in his Savior and his friend Jesus who came here and lived. And last week, the, our main idea was this legacy of love that God shows his agape love to us, and that while we were still sinners, he came and he saved us, that he gave everything that he had. He gave his best, his own only son, while we were still enemies of his. And he did this expecting nothing in return, but he invites us to be part of his family. Incredible. It's the only love that this world truly needs, can accept. It's the only thing that's real. Like First Colossians says, that Jesus is everything and everything is held by him. All of this was for him and made by him. Jesus is the answer to the whole world. And, and I had a very clear picture of, of this message before I really started processing everything that we're seeing in Wisconsin. And, and I still this plan is still mostly intact, but... Church, let's let God's words today move us into a place of action to change our hearts, to go and sink us even deeper in Him. Because this life really matters. I, I remember hearing a story from an old pastor. He told us that uh, his mom used to be a very unpleasant woman. That all of his life, she was very unpleasant. That he was often afraid of her reactions. He was often afraid of getting into trouble or getting yelled at, because that's mostly what she would do with him. And then at, and when he was an adult, she was diagnosed with the terminal cancer. And then 
for the first time in his life, he saw his mom actually living out her faith and actually being a happy person. He lamented in his sermon about how it was so sad that it took this and he only got to experience his mom and her, in her fullest right before her death. But to him it was a reminder that we can live for all of Jesus' promises, that we can live in freedom and going after him and, and giving up all the things that are silly or superficial to go after the things that are important, to go after building God's kingdom in here. And so that, that's our call for today. That is going to be our call for today. We're talking about witnessing the morning star. Let, let's dive into 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 21 and talk about three things. The first one being a mythless faith. Our portion starts like this, verse 16. For we do not not for the we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. In the same way that me and my brother we could finally resolve our feud if there was someone there, or if there was some security footage seeing if I actually pushed him or not. Peter here is reminding the Christians in all ages that you, we're not following this thing that is a myth. We're not following a legend. We're not following this thing that, you know, oh, maybe it could be true, no. But that the gospel is one of the most attested to things in all of the ancient world. And that God has throughout history taken care of his gospel, taken care of his word like nothing we've seen before. You know, the, Luke, the gospel of Luke starts off, it's this letter to this, most excellent Theophilus. And he, he says this in Luke 1, verse 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers to the word have delivered them to us, it seems good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you see we don't believe in a lie this gospel this jesus story isn't something that's made up it isn't something that we made up to give ourselves power or to make ourselves feel better it has often in history been misused but our faith isn't a legend it's not something that man has come up with that we don't follow some archaic idea of this idealistic God, this God up in the heavens who loves us and he's going to bring us up into the clouds. No, we follow a faith that has been preserved, taken care of, a gospel message that has through centuries, through millennia, has been unchanged. And it's because people have always cared about the telling of God's story. It's because we've had dedicated people who their love for God has made them dedicate their whole lives to the keeping of God's word, of the sharing of God's stories, that Peter and the apostles, they saw everything here with their own eyes, that they lived with this man face to face, that we have a historical man that we follow. We can point back into on the calendar and say, he lived here and he was here and he did this. He also ate with his friends. He ate with sinners. He was actually also killed by Romans and that the leaders of Israel were against him. They wanted to kill him. 
One of my favorite things to think about in terms of faith is that 2,000 years later, here we are still worshiping this man, Jesus. And Baal, Jesus is God's uh, opponent in the Old Testament. He's nowhere to be found. Marduk, who for a long time opposed God in the Old Testament, he's not here anymore. Nobody worships Marduk. Marduk, we only know him as a character in Tekken. Zeus, he's just one of, in one of my favorite Disney movies. We don't worship Zeus anymore. And if I say the word, the name of Asclepius, unless you've heard me talk about him, I can almost guarantee you that nobody knows that name. And we don't know that for centuries, Asclepius was Jesus's rival, rivaled the gospel for centuries as a healer God. He was, Asclepius was a healing Roman God. But we don't know that anymore. We don't know this because there has never been anyone there has been never, never been any other gospel that has ever overcome the gospel of Jesus Christ. That none of the faiths that have come up in history and that have gone away or any of the thoughts or faiths of today have never overcome the gospel, but that the gospel has continuously overcome everything. I love that. I love thinking about that. The Peter here is saying, you know what? Hold on to your faith in the same vein of First Peter. Hold on to your faith because there is nothing wrong with it. Because it is the only gospel that there is. Paul, also obsessed with that idea. And so I, I want to say part of this, we're starting off here because that's where our story goes. But part of this is Peter is just saying there is absolutely nothing wrong with our faith in Jesus Christ. There is nothing intellectually wrong. There's nothing historically that doesn't hold up. There's nothing socially that causes us to be afraid of our faith. But there is nothing at all because these people, men and women, have so carefully taken care of God's word that we have a good gospel. We have a book that by ancient terms is the most represented book that this world has ever seen. And I love that. We don't believe in any lies. We don't have a story that we're going to see later on in Second Peter when some false teachers are teaching false things. We don't have a story that was crafted by man because this challenges us in every way. It challenges us to be better in every single way possible. Man would not make up this story by themselves. I also love this because he talks about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is more in the vein of what we're talking about today. Here in the same verse it says, For we do not follow cleverly devised myths, and we, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This here, the, this, this part of the sentence that says, And the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That does not refer to Jesus' first time here, when they lived with him, but no, it refers to Jesus' second coming. It's a coming that, our English isn't great, but it's, it's future forward. It's still to come. And what Peter's saying here is, <laughs> you know what? We saw him. We saw what he was doing. 
but he's also coming back. And so what we do matters. The lives that we live matters. That Jesus came here, he left his teachings, he left an ethic, he left this life, and that we need to emulate it in every single way possible. Peter saying, I won't stop talking about my Savior and friend, Jesus Christ, until I die. I'm going to be reminding you all of this because what we do in this life is important. Here in the CMA, we have four major pillars. We say that Jesus is Savior, He's our Sanctifier, He's our Healer, and He's our Coming King. And so if Jesus is our coming king, the lives that we live matter, the, the work that we do matters, our priorities matter, what we decide to spend our careers on and our lives on matter. If our work and if our life are going through things that are moral and ethical and stand up biblically, it matters. That we don't live just in a, in a cute story like, again, my favorite Disney movie growing up, Hercules. But this is painfully real. These, our lives are painfully real. And so what we do matters. What we're doing as a church and how we're, do, how we're doing those things matters. The questions of do we, do we care about racial injustice? Do we care that people are dying and not knowing Jesus in our backyard? Do we bother to pray or are we too busy? Are our schedules just too full to even pray or to get together or to serve? Do we love and bless and pray for our enemies? For those that we hate, especially in this season with the election and all of these things that we're seeing with militias going to Wisconsin, bringing guns, killing people, are we praying for our enemies like Jesus would have? Do we challenge ourselves to look more like Jesus? Because he's coming back and it, what we do matters. And all of this, this, second, this segment of Second Peter, it all matters because of Jesus being our morning star. And so now we're gonna talk about our morning star. Let me read from us verses 17 to 19. It says this, For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the dawn, day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. I love this. There are two major thoughts that we have to bring, break down in this. The first being that Peter is referencing the transfiguration and the second is the morning star idea. So he, remember, Peter is, this is his last hurrah, this last message that he's leaving for the church for Christians all throughout the ages and he brings up one story out of his Rolodex of stories out of all of the things that he saw Jesus do and even in fact one of there's a, one of the gospels says that if 
this is only a fraction of what Jesus did. It would take all the books in the world to write all of what Jesus did. And somehow Peter and, and everything that he saw, everything that he witnessed, the one story he brings back here to say, you know, I saw that for myself. I was eyewitness to that was the transfiguration. The transfiguration is such an important story that it appears in every gospel, all four gospels, in Matthew 17, Mark 9, Luke 9, and John 1. And it's a story that is just so significant that we cannot ever forget this. Peter's like, don't ever forget the transfiguration. I saw it for myself, it was real. And the significance of the transfiguration, remember, was that Jesus was able to peel back his humanity to show us his real essence. And what came out was this Shekinah glory that the Old Testament talked about. It's the glory of God when he's in a place that very few people ever saw. That somehow Jesus peeled back his flesh or his humanity. He showed us who he really was. And it was everything, all of God's goodness in a human body. And that's who Jesus was that Jesus was God himself, that he had this glory that belonged only to God and so he must also be God. I, I, when I preached about this months ago now, I talked about how there's no glory in us if we were to somehow, if I was to somehow peel back my humanity and show you what I really was, the only thing you would really see is an oppressive amount of body fat on a 33-year-old, baby fat, excuse me. And so... I am I am too broken to have any of this glory. You are too broken. We are all too broken. Clearly, we are too broken for this. But yeah, Jesus had this glory. He was this glory. He was this living manifestation of God. And so that makes this world, our lives, what we do, matter. And it also reminds us that then everything that Jesus did, all of the people that he cared for, all of the miracles that he performed, his teachings, his ethic, his example, it is all important because it's what God did in this very world. We never have to just think and worry, oh, what would Jesus do in our world? What would a, a whole life, what would 30-something years, 33-ish years of life that God would live here, what it would look like? It looks like Jesus Christ. And we can never exhaust all of the meaning from this story. We can never exhaust all of the significance that Jesus is this embodiment of God's glory, that he is God's glory, and that Jesus' transfiguration makes him this morning star. And so if you don't know what a morning star is, don't worry, I'm, I had to Google it myself. I had to watch a couple of YouTube videos for myself, so don't worry. I'm, I, I feel you. I was where you are six days ago. And the, the morning star is this, that while we were still in the dark, it's still nighttime, and the sun, as it's rotating, hits a planet that's close to us, usually Venus, bef and before it is any light here reaches here, that planet shines so brightly, so much brighter than the stars around it, that there we can say, oh, okay, the morning is coming because this, this morning star is out right now. And that's the beauty of this image, is that Jesus is this glory of God, that Jesus is, the transfiguration wasn't just Jesus proving that he could be a pretty effective nightlight, but that he is the embodiment of this glory. And so 
God's light for the very first time was here in person, breathing and living and relating to people, eating food with people, hanging out with people, that God's glory was here, that it came down from heaven. In his wisdom, he came down in a man and he lived and did everything around us. And that while we were still in darkness, the, the, the hard part of this image is that while we were still in darkness, Jesus came like a lamp in a dark place. And he started to light up the world. That his life showed us what we should be doing. A life that honored him. A life that cared about justice. A life that oppressed, that went against the proud and the oppressive. A life that stood up with the marginalized and the people without voices. A life that would be with people and, and cry with them that he would cry for his friends, that he would cry when people died, that he would cry when he saw that people were lost, when he also aggressively went against the proud. So I love Jesus as our morning star, because then we read this scripture and we say, <laughs> everything Jesus did was shining light on something. And what is it about my life that I'm not living up to this? Or what's in my heart that I need this star to become? But I also, I also love, again, what Peter said, that him being the morning star, even this metaphor of a morning star, means that, oh, there's the morning star, the sun is coming. And once again, Peter reminds us that Jesus is coming back here, so what we do matters. What, the world that we bring to Jesus, the work that we do in his name, it matters. Because he's coming back, and we're going to have to tell him what we did with our lives. We're going to have to tell him how our church, or did our church live up to the calling that he gave us? Did we help people find home? Did we help people encounter Jesus? Did we help bring gospel change? Those are the things that God is calling our church to do. And are we doing it? Are we living up to that? I love that Jesus is our morning star. I love that he came while we were still in darkness and he started to shine the light here that even in the Old Testament we got glimpses of this light when the prophetic word would come and tell the Messiah is going to be like this or he's going to do this or he's going to look like this and then this light came as a baby and lived his life as a man shining his light wherever he went but then how he will come back and that light that dawn will come and it'll never cease again that's, what that's our hope. That's what we're waiting for. That's why we think what we do matters. Because we want everyone to know. We want everyone to leave this dark place. Jesus was this lamp in a dark place. And so we need to bring it to people who are lost and in darkness. And then the last thing that we're going to talk about is, this, is a place of prophecy. Let's read from verse 19 to the end. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I love this in conjunction with, the re with these verses that we have today. I love how Peter here is talking about the revelation of God. 
about how all of this didn't come from human mind. It didn't come from our imagination. Humans, we would not create this whole story because it is so counter to what we want. It is so counter to what we think is good for ourselves. I love how Peter's saying, trust God's word because this is part of the prophetic word that God brought for us. But there's also an element in this pointing back to Jesus, that we were witnesses to the morning star, that we got God's prophetic word alive in a man. John 1 starts off about how the word of God became flesh. And so we don't have to abstractly sit in a room and think about what would, you, what would God do if he was here? But we can look into this book and see what God actually did. We can see these words here. We can see the heart that Jesus showed us in the Gospels. And we can be how Jesus would be with all of the people who are crying today. He would be with those who are being oppressed. He would be sitting in the homes of our black brothers and sisters who have lost family and feel scared. He would be with the Native Americans who were just stripped and have this legacy of oppression. He would be with the undocumented, invisible immigrants in our country. Those we don't even know are here. He would be with anyone who is oppressed and he would be opposing the proud. He would be in churches that did not preach his gospel and he would be overturning tables, calling them to the better gospel, the true gospel. He would be a, a part of nonviolent civil disobedience. He would be causing trouble where trouble should be caused and he would not stop talking when he saw injustice. He would interrupt himself like he did in scripture and he would go after those who are hurting. He would be with the prostitutes. He would be eating with the tax collectors. He would be with the people we didn't expect him to be with because he needed, he wanted them to know him because he knew that he was the best link for them. He would have courage and boldness and he would call his followers to do the same and he would send them out and empower them and give them authority to go after and bring healing and bring spiritual freedom to people. He would be about supporting people in all the ways that he knew they needed. Jesus was our morning star and in him we see the dawn that is to come and so we need to emulate the life that he lived. That Jesus was this word of prophecy that we look to be like, okay, that's the life we should be living. That's the standard that we need to hold ourselves to and never lower the bar because it's a little bit too much for us or it's a lot too much for us. Now, our jobs as Christians is to say, I choose to align my life with all of Jesus' teachings and his ethics. Jesus prayed and blessed for his enemies. I'm going to do the same no matter the cost to me. Jesus went out there with boldness and he opposed those who were doing things wrong. I have to do the same even if I'm afraid. This life matters. The things that we do matter. I've said that a lot today and I'm going to continue saying it. The decisions and the lives and our priorities, our motives, they matter. The series has had one major goal in it. It's to take us to kind of picture our souls in our hands and to give it to the Lord and say, Lord, where do I need to mature? Where do I need to deepen? 
where do I need to go through the suffering that I've been through so that I can get healing and bring healing to other people? Where, where in my life am I still being afraid? Lord, please touch that area because I need, it. I need to be ferocious for you. I need to go after you. I need you to mature me. I need you to make me like one of the Christians, one of the followers of Christ in 1 Peter, who no matter what the cost, never let go of Jesus. I need to be steadfast. I need to have these virtues that we talked about last week of knowledge and self-control, steadfast, godliness, brotherly love, and love. I need to be doing this. And I need to never be giving myself excuses because this, the prophecy of God, the word of God came down here and lived and showed us that it's important to do it. Our lives matter. The things that we do matter. Black lives matter. And we need to start living like, like that. And so let's conclude. Let's, let's bring some sense into all of this. This sermon I knew it was not going to go necessarily the way that I had prepared it to over the week. Because I just felt God doing something in my heart, in our hearts this whole week. So let's conclude. Remember, Peter is trying to remind, he's leaving something behind for the church to remember. He starts talking about this morning star. How, the, how God's life actually came down here, lived, and was around with people. Now, it wasn't just in this book. But that Jesus actually went and he loved and he cared on and he took care of people. He fed people. He washed their feet when that was not the thing to do. When it was disgusting to do it. He did all these things. And so we need to do the same. Because our lives matter. The things that we do matter. Us going after the deeper spiritual things matter. Blessing our enemies. Taking care of those who are hurting. Being bold, taking new steps, taking new risks, they all matter. And so today, I don't even, I feel like I've just been saying the whole, the same thing over and over again. But it's a reminder, just like in, in the vein of what Peter's doing, it's a reminder that our Christ came down and lived here, and he calls us to do the same. To live like he did and follow his example to practice this agape love with one another, this love that is going to be sacrificial and expects nothing in return. And so church, let's get into our MC calls and let's process through this a little bit with one another. That we don't believe in any lies. There are no myths here about this Jesus thing. That Jesus is our morning star and we look to him because he's the one who's bringing us our dawn. He makes sense of everything. He brings the light of God into every human interaction. And then also that there's this prophecy that scripture is not man-made, that Jesus coming down here and the life that he lived is God's revelation for us for all of the rest of time. No matter what issues come up, we look to the example and ethic of Jesus and we live that out no matter the cost to you or to me. How does that inform the way that we pray for social justice for racial reconciliation, for the gospel to come and to bring peace? How do we build God's kingdom more than we build any other kingdom? So let's jump on these MC calls and we're going to pray with one another. We're going to process what's happening. And we're also going to ask Jesus to come and bring clarity into our life and to our hearts 
so that we know what it is that he's calling us to do in Jersey City and wherever we have influence. So let's let's jump on these MC calls. Let's jump on, on the Monday call with New Jersey together. And church, I love you. Can't wait for us to be together. We'll see you on the MC calls. Have a good day. Problem question number one. How does Jesus' second coming make us accountable in how we live? The fact that Jesus is coming back, that he'll judge the world, that he'll be, that he'll sit on the throne, how does that make us accountable in the lives that we live, in the things that we do, and the priorities that we keep? Question number two. How does the transfiguration story or the metaphor of the morning star bring hope into the sin we see in the world? How do these metaphors help us to shape what God is doing, how he's bringing his kingdom here, and how he will one day make all things right? Prompt question number three. How do you feel when you are told that there is no part of faith in Jesus that is based on a myth? Can you accept that? Is it easy for you to hear that there's nothing wrong with your faith, that it stands up in every way, intellectually, socially, scripturally? Can you receive, is that easy for you to receive? And so church, we love you. We're so grateful for each and every single one of you. We're gonna continue this season of struggling through this with one another of bringing Jesus into our hearts more and more so that we can bring Jesus in all the things that we do and our calling as a church body. We love you all. We're gonna be announcing soon about things that we're gonna be doing in person, uh, how we're gonna take steps into that. And so church, City Life, can't wait for us to be together. Have a great week and uh, let's join these prayer calls and the Jersey Together prayer. We love you, have a good week.